Good morning. The title of the message today is Why Aren't Most Christians More Long-Suffering? More long-suffering. We know we all have a degree of long-suffering, but why are we not more long-suffering? That's what we want to talk about today. And we're going to talk about this, that one topic, long-suffering. Now, let's uh, talk about that word, long-suffering. That word, uh, you've heard some of the word last time when we were speaking on temperance. It means that, really, forbearance is a synonym for it. It's another word. Forbearance. You can bear up under things. Another word for the long-suffering would be prolonged, prolonged self-restraint to anger. Prolonged Self-restraint to anger. In other words, you, our self-restraint to get angry is prolonged. I mean prolonged. That's what it's about. How long can I prolong anger? How long can I restrain getting angry? That's the degree of long-suffering that I have. And so I know I want to be more long-suffering. That's what I want to be. It's also described sometimes as the ability to revenge myself, but a restraint from doing it. You would know that God could he doesn't have to be as long-suffering as he is, but of course he does, because he is long-suffering. But we sometimes, uh, sometimes we have a tendency to say, oh, my goodness, you know, uh, I'm just tired of this situation going on and on. You keep doing the same thing over and over again. Okay, here is your consequences. This, the, the consequences right now I'm going to give you is because you keep doing the same thing. And how long-suffering is the Lord? If he felt that way about Israel, wow. If he felt that way about us, wow. How long-suffering is he? (laughs) That's what we're talking about, long-suffering. Because I think, again, they go together. You, you can't have uh, just long-suffering without the other manifestation, the other results, the other uh, effects of the Holy Spirit. You just can't have it. So it goes well together with temperance, doesn't it? Well together with self-control. It really does. Now let's look a little bit and see uh, how is, what does God say about himself? What does he say about himself? Because whatever he says about himself, that is true, isn't it? Let's look in Exodus 34, verse 6. Let's go look there. 
Now, this is the, the context of this is where we have Moses not wanting to go out unless the presence of the Lord goes with him. And then, and then he says, Moses says, hey, show me your glory. And the Lord said, well, you know, <laughs> I'll show you my goodness. I'll let, let my goodness pass before you. And he put him in the cliff of a rock and passed by him. And in verse 6, it picks up here. Then the Lord passed by in front of him, speaking of Moses, and proclaimed. Now, this is the Lord proclaiming. This is not Moses proclaiming. This is not, uh, you know, somebody else proclaiming. This is the Lord himself proclaiming. The Lord, the Lord God, compassionate and gracious, slow to anger. In the New American Standard, slow to anger. What that is is long-suffering. Long-suffering. When you prolong, prolong, and it's restraining your anger, that's called, called slow to anger. The Lord is slow to get angry. He said about himself, long-suffering. The Lord, God, is love, isn't he? He is love. God says he is compassionate. He's gracious. He is slow to anger. He is long-suffering. That's what he says. So when he says this now, abounding in love and kindness and truth, keeps love and kindness a thousand, forgive iniquity and transgressions and sin. Uh, you know, when I think about that, I say, boy, this is God. And so therefore, you remember last week we talked about be imitators of God as dear children. This is something to imitate, isn't it? How long-suffering are we? Why aren't we as Christians more long-suffering? That's the question I had to ask myself, and of course, I'm asking you today. Why aren't we more long-suffering? One of the reasons I think that we are not as long-suffering as we want to be, could be, should be, is because we don't understand that long-suffering is really a characteristic of love. Let's look at it in 1 Corinthians 13, verse 4. Let's look there. And you've read this so many times, of course. But I want to put it in this perspective. Because as that plant that I have sitting in my, in my office now, still growing, still thriving, still doing well, because it's in the proper environment. It's getting fed, sunlight, it's sitting on my windowsill, and I put water in it every week. But if I take it out of that soil and just put it on the windowsill, it will die, regardless of how much I water it. How much sunlight get to it? It's out of its element. 
And we said this series is called Rooted and Grounded in Love. So we need to be rooted and grounded in love. And that's what it says in verse 4. Love is. That means God is, because God is love. Love is long-suffering. Of course, uh, New American Standard says patient, but that word is long-suffering. You have two types of patience. One is endurance, and the other one is long-suffering. This one and the one in that we're talking about as far as the fruit of the Spirit is long-suffering. Even though it may say patient, it's long-suffering. Love is long-suffering. How are we going to be love, long-suffering if we're not loving the agape love that God is calling us to love people by? If we're loving people because, because they love us, if we're loving people because, because it's convenient, if we're loving people because, you know, they do what we ask them to do or they... They're okay in our sight right now, then that is really not agape love, so therefore, how can we have long suffering? Because love is, agape is long suffering. That's one reason I think that I'm not as long suffering as I should be. And I want you to make the message personal because I'm making it personal for myself. Because I, I truly, I believe that God has led me in 2012 to dwell on his characteristics, his character, him to, we want to be like him, more like him. That's what we want to do. I want to be more like Christ. That's what I want to be. And so the fruit of the Spirit is what we need, where we need to start at. Love is also kind, isn't it? Which we talked about last week. Why else would I not be long-suffering? What, what are some of the reasons why you think Christians are not as long-suffering as we should be? You know, I think sometimes it's also because, it's, one was because of we were not really understanding what agape is. And we'll surely... Uh, getting it in these messages. Uh, but the other one is that I think it's because sometimes our background, the way we grew up sometimes. Sometimes I believe that I have been tampered with by the enemy when I was smaller. A lot of people have. The enemy, he, he's at you all the time. He's at you in the womb. Say. And he, 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 he doesn't want you to succeed. Sometimes we've had people in our lives, parents or whoever, um, that have not been as long-suffering as they should have been. And so we have been exposed to sometimes irritability, frustration, uh, strife, anger. It's... it's do you realize how, if you talk to a policeman and ask him, well, how many calls do you get for domestic violence? It's a lot. It's a lot. You have angry people, adults, who are angry because of how they were brought up. I was talking to one person uh, back when, whenever, and, uh, well, 
I, I won't tell you exactly when because you try to guess who it is. Say, <laughs> um, but I was talking to a person, and that's the one. Why are you treating them so mean? Why, why are you doing this? You don't realize how I was treated. I was beat. You know, I was hollered at. I could never uh, do it uh, enough. I could never please a parent. They're always on my case about this, comparing me to my uh, other siblings. And they just grew up angry. You know, when you're small and somebody large is treating you wrong, you, you get mad and you want to treat, treat somebody else wrong. Yeah. Sometimes when they're talking about these bullies in elementary school and, and, and things like that, you, you, sometimes you have people who are just mad. You know, they, you know they, they don't, sometimes they don't get anything to eat at home. When I was teaching elementary school, uh, they would have free breakfasts for people, uh, or subsidized breakfasts for people for some uh, because people wouldn't, the family wouldn't feed them. Can you imagine you had to go every day and you didn't have any breakfast? Your parents didn't pack you any lunch. And everybody else eating and you got to go to the cafeteria. Because in elementary school, they, they march everybody to the cafeteria in the line. And you don't have any food. It makes you mad. It makes you want to take somebody's food. <laughs> you know, Really. You have mean people because they have been treated mean. Hurting people hurt people. Really. So sometimes it's because of that. Sometimes it's because of the way we think sometimes. You know, so what, what do you mean the way we think? Sometimes we're not as long-suffering as we should because we're comparing everybody to ourselves. Sometimes we're thinking, so, well, this person just, I can't understand why they will put a foolish person bagging groceries and they put, <laughs> they put my bananas at the bottom and put milk on top of it, you know. <laughs> you get at home, your man, bananas, you know, squished. Yeah. And you go back and, 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 and you're not very long-suffering. <laughs> Sound like you've been there. <laughs> but that, you know, it, it's really interesting. Uh, don't we do that sometimes? Sometimes we think that, you know, uh, people, people, we think kind of weird, you know. Uh, especially sometimes with men and women, fathers and daughters, husbands to wives, is that a lot of times, uh, women are not as mechanical sometimes. Sometimes. Not all the time, but sometimes. Um, very few women have the gift of craftsmanship, but some do. And it's a great thing when they do. But, um, and you say, well, look, uh, I want you to go get me a Phillips screwdriver. Uh, you say, well, uh, who? It's right up there in the, in the, in the cabinet. Just, just get the Phillips screwdriver. It's the one that got the edge, you know, and they come back and they come back with a, you know, a flathead screwdriver. And you say, can't you do anything right? Don't you know what a Phillips head screwdriver is? You know, oh, I'll go, no, 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 leave it alone. I'll go get it. You know, sometimes we do things like that as men. 
sometimes. You know, you're taking a trip and you say, hey, uh, take the map and look and see where, where, we need to, where the next turn is. And they open the map. It's a lot of lines up here. So, you know. <laughs> oh, boy, you know. Can't you read a map? <laughs> Come on, man. Come on, man. <laughs> Sometimes it's the way we think because we think everybody's like we are. Everybody's not like we are. They rely. (laughs) Interesting. See, we don't think sometimes that, well, you know, we have weaknesses. I suppose God would do us like that. Suppose our wives would do us like that. (laughs) Because, uh, you know, I was trying to fix something. The other day, um, my wife asked me to put some rice on. I said, how much water you put in it? She said, about three-fourths of, you know, how much rice put in it? Oh, put about half of what's in there. And so I said, I said oh, man. Okay, so I put it up there, and then I pulled some in there. And, uh, and then, then so she got home, she said, well, um, you put too much water in it. I said, well, you said about three-fourths, you know. How much rice you put in it? Oh, you put too much rice in it, you know. I said, well, how much rice I suppose I put about half of it in it, but I didn't know, you know, what I have in it, you know. But she was so gracious with what she was telling me, and uh, she didn't get on my case, and she didn't say, you know, you're just a foolish man, you know, you don't know how to do nothing, you know. <laughs> but she could have, but, but she's more long-suffering than that, see. I'm serious. Long-suffering is very important, isn't it? Long-suffering also comes in when you think, that um, you said, well, I know what I want to do. I want to cause this person to be like they should be. So I'm going to force them to be that way. Have you ever tried to do that, women? Try to force your man to be, be something he's not yet. Or vice versa, men try to force a wife's wife to be something they're not yet. Or parents try to force your kids to be something they're not yet. And so uh, you have to long suffering. What it does is that it causes you to wait on God bringing about the events that need to be brought about before you try to force the action. You don't want to try to force the action. We're getting into more trouble in marriage just trying to force somebody to be like we want them to be. And it's not going to work. Not going to work. Yeah. You, have to let, you have to pray and let God do this thing. Yeah. But an uh, uh, example of that, how long suffering my wife has become. Uh, and by the way, do you realize that God's going to get it out of you anyway? Do you realize that? So he's going to put people in your life that's going to cause you to be long-suffering. Right? <laughs> Brianna, your dad said amen. <laughs> you heard him, didn't you? Okay, now, be long-suffering. Be long-suffering. <laughs> well, he will. And you can try to run all you want to. He's going to put somebody else by it. 
You know, sometimes on the job we say, man, I can't stand this job. You know, uh, the boss treats me and I'm going to go to another one. Well, you know, God's going to get it out of you anyway. So you might as well learn long-suffering. So my wife has learned it with me because, <laughs> because God put me into her life. She's the oldest of, uh, what is it, nine children, baby? The oldest of nine, and I'm the, the baby of my mother's side and the oldest of my father's side. Uh, but I wasn't with my father. Most times I was with my, well, I wasn't with either one, really. I was with my aunt most of the time growing up. But uh, I identified with my mother more than I did with my father, and I was the baby. And so I got everything I wanted just about. I did. Because I had older brothers and sisters. They were much older than me. Uh, I was in elementary school. They were graduating from high school. When, they, when I was in high school, my sister was a teacher at the high school. You see? So uh, it wasn't in a relationship there. You know, uh, it was just, you know, pointing fingers. You better do this right here. You know, so I was, I was the baby. But fortunately, they all worked. They all went to college. And so what happened was that uh, my brother gave me his car. When uh, he went to Alaska, he gave me his car. I had TV. I had some of everything back in 65 when I was in college. Um, some, some of you know. Y'all you, you know back in 65, don't you? Yeah, y'all know about that now. Um, <laughs> I know y'all love liberal students. Y'all know about 65, don't you? Weren't y'all back there? Yeah, yeah, you know back there. I had most of the things I wanted. And so then I married Minerva, and she was in for a rude awakening <laughs> because she had to be long-suffering with me because I was used to get my way. Very selfish. You know what I'm saying? And so, but God was working on her too because then she has developed long suffering for me, with me. And I had to grow up. <laughs> so she helped me grow up and, and take responsibility as a man. So God works it out, doesn't he? He's good, isn't he? He's good. You're not going to hold that against me, is it, are you? Because I was self, selfish? Okay. <laughs> Notice I said was. Okay, now let's go a little further. How is, how is God? How is God? Why do you think God is so long-suffering with us? Why do you think that? You know? Why is he he's so long-suffering with us? I believe one reason is because he loves us. And, and agape love is different from I love you because you do this for me. I love you because you didn't do this right here. No, I love you because of you. I chose you when nobody wanted you. Right? Didn't he? Right. I chose you when you were a sinner and you didn't like me, didn't know who I was. You know, I chose you. So I believe that he... he, is long-suffering with us because he loves us. Another reason I think he, he's long-suffering with us is because he knows who we are. He's our creator. Okay? Let's look at Psalm 103 and start there. 
verse 13. We'll go 13 through 16. Just as a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. For he himself knows our frame. He is mindful that we are but dust. See, a lot of times we don't know that. We forget it. We forget that we're just, we were, when God created man, what did he make him out of? Dust. Dust. Our life is like a vapor. It's here today, gone tomorrow. Right? So it's important that we realize that God sees us that way. We should see other people that way. We have to take a clue from God. God is long-suffering with us because he agape us. He loves us. God is long-suffering with us because he knows our frame. He knows we are just dust. We should know that people are just dust. They're just human beings. They're here today, gone tomorrow, and we can't help ourselves unless God helps us. If it were not for God in us, we'll be just like Israel. Wandering around in the wilderness, forever sinning, and thinking we're doing okay. It's not going to work. So thank God for the, <laughs> for the Holy Spirit indwelling the Christians. Do you hear what I'm saying? No way, no way... Can I grow up to be the husband that God is calling me to be unless that's taking place? Unless he is doing it through me. The only way I can, I can do anything. Because he says, apart from me, I can do nothing. Verse 15 says, As for man, his days are like grass as a flower of the field, so he flourishes. When the wind has passed over it, it is no more. And his place acknowledges it no longer. Just here today, gone tomorrow. When we look at each other that way, I think it can help us be more long-suffering. Now, how can we develop more long-suffering? How can we develop more long-suffering? Because if we don't have an application, it's not going to help us. How can we become more long-suffering? Well, one thing is that we can read about what, how, how God is. All the places where it says, who God is. In, in, in 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9, let's look down. It says, The Lord is not slow about his promise, as some count slowness, but is patient, or that word is really long-suffering towards you, not wishing for any to perish, but for all to come to repentance. That's how God is. So as we read verses all over the Bible, how long-suffering God is, and that's what he wants us to do. He wants us to realize that he's that way because he has a purpose also. We need to be that way because we have a purpose. We can't, lead, we can't be light, we can't be salt, unless we are exemplifying, unless we have the aroma, the sweet aroma of that, the character of Christ. Who wants to be around a mean, a angry, 
person all the time. And say, I want to be like them. Nobody wants to be like that. Nobody wants to be like that. So if you're going to lead people to the Lord, you're going to have to show long-suffering in your workplaces so that and wherever you go so that God will, will be able to use you. Then somebody said, well, my goodness, I don't understand how they, uh, how, how they put up with it. So they, put up, they put up with this all the time. I don't understand. How do you do it? Because of the loving kindness of God towards me. And so, therefore, I'm that way towards his children and everybody else. Another way we can become more long-suffering is find out what he says about us. <laughs> Let's look in uh, Ephesians. Chapter 4, verse 1 through 3. By the the way, this is a good prayer to to pray over your families, over your loved ones, over your parents. Therefore, I, the prisoner of the Lord, implore you to walk. And how I started off is, God, I pray that I'll walk in a manner so so you can change it around there. And make it a prayer. Walk in a manner worthy of the calling which you have been called. With all humility and gentleness, with patience, as long suffering, long suffering, showing tolerance for one another in love, being diligent to preserve the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. He says that that's what we should be doing. If I understand what God's requiring of me, then it helps me to be more long-suffering. Because God is requiring us to be long-suffering. He says that, that's what he was praying for the church in Ephesus. He said, I pray, I implore you, uh, that you would walk in a manner worthy of the calling where you've been called with all lowliness and meekness and long-suffering, bearing one another love, the devil could use the spirit and the bond of peace. He, he's praying that. That is a good prayer to pray. When I find that out, I say, okay, it's good. Another way I can be more long-suffering is I can pray myself. I can ask God, God, break any bondages over my life uh, about situations that I, I incurred when I was younger, and it just made me mad, and then sometimes I'm short-tempered with other people because of what happened to me. Ask God to deliver you from that. Break that stronghold. Ask him to break the strongholds of your way of your thinking. To bring your thoughts into captivity with his word. Ask him to do that. Ask him also to help me show long-suffering, be more tolerant of the people, the forbear people who you put in my life so that I can practice long-suffering. You see? All those are important to do. And then, last thing you want to do, another thing you can do, you don't have to be the last, is that, you start asking the Holy Spirit, remind me of things I need to be uh, when I'm not long-suffering. Holy Spirit, lead me and guide me. I, I, want, I, I want you to bring to my attention if I'm not long-suffering this person. You know, convict me, Holy Spirit. Convict me. That's what we can do to be more long-suffering towards others. So it's, it's a marvelous thing. And it leads us right into communion, really, because aren't we so thankful for the body 
and the blood of Jesus Christ. It's only because of his long-suffering that we're able to do this, to receive the elements, really. With the people who are asked to help serve communion and uh, come up, please. What we're going to do is, which we'll make it sort of a tradition, is that, uh, we, will everybody stand, please? You two are over there in that section. Get, get, get your things first, though. Got to get one bread, okay, and then get a juice. Get your bread and juice there. I want you to come out of your right, go back to your left, come out right, go to your left. This, these two will serve this section. These two will serve this section in this town. We've already sent people to serve the nursery. And these two will serve this section. Drew Parker will read a scripture for us. First Corinthians eleven twenty three through twenty eight. For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. On the night when he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and said, "This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me." In the same way, after supper, he also took the cup, and said, "This is this cup is the new covenant established by my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me." For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Therefore, whoever eats the blood or drinks the cup in the, of the Lord in an unworthy way will be guilty of sin against the body and the blood of the Lord. So a man should examine himself in this way. He should eat the bread and drink from the cup. If there is anyone not saved, now is the time to give your life to Jesus Christ uh, because you want to rightly divide what he did for sins of the world and if you're not in right standing with him then get in right standing with him and you can say it's just a prayer yourself and get in right standing with him and if you're holding in unforgiveness just get it right between you and God we start over this section over here and this section young come on out there first row first
On the night he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took the bread, gave thanks, broke it, and said, This is my body, which is for you. This piece of bread represents the body of Christ, which is broke for us on the cross. Take, eat. In the same way, after supper, he also took the cup and said, This cup is the new covenant established in my blood. Do this as often as you drink in me. And this juice represents the blood of Christ, which was shed for us and provided the forgiveness for our sins. Take and drink. take a moment and just thank God for his goodness and you can do it out loud from where you're standing Um, one person can do it and another person you normally that's what we normally do father we thank you that you loved us enough to save our souls you loved us enough father to send your only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life Father, we thank you for that. We thank you. Thank you again for listening to this message from Cornerstone Community Church in Lynchburg, Virginia. Our website is cornerstonelynchburg.com. You may call us at 434-847-4796. And our physical address is 525 Old Graves Mill Road in Lynchburg, Virginia.